in a time where a lot of things are uncertain and the world is kind of weird, those skills about making connections, caring and empathy are all just, it's the essence of, of life and community. I think we're, we all have a tendency to undervalue and underappreciate our gifts. And it, it's just such a mistake. So get those feelings out of there and be comfortable asking your technology partners for help. Welcome back to What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. This episode is part of a very special series called The People Behind The Products. There is no sponsorship or industry money behind the production of this series, and the editorial content is at the sole discretion of the What The Fundraising team. But I wanted to give you a sense of the great people, ideas, and products that power the nonprofit sector. So let's dive in to meet today's guest. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Lauren Sheehan. Lauren, welcome to What The Fundraising. Thank you so much for having me, Mallory. I'm excited to be here. I am thrilled to give everyone an opportunity to meet you. You know how much I love Donor Perfect and all that you guys do and what you stand for. So why don't we just start with you telling everyone a little bit about yourself, what brought you, what brings you to the sector, what brings you to Donor Perfect and to our conversation today? Yeah. So I'm, that's a big, that's a big question. I don't know where you want me to, to start. Um, you know, as long as I can remember, being in service to others was always just what I was about. It was part of like the core essence of who I was. Um, and at a very young age, I, you know, cared about things bigger than me. And my first job after college was pretty challenging. I was um, an account manager for a consulting company. And I was, my book of business was our largest tech companies, largest technology clients. And so back in the day, uh, I don't want to age myself, but this was like Motorola, Qualcomm, Seagate Technologies. And I was as you know, a young professional flying all over Europe and, and the United States. So it was like a big job. It was challenging. It was fun. I love to eat. So I loved visiting um, other cities and checking out their cuisine. But there was something that was missing. I felt like I couldn't really connect with the mission of, you know, what my work was doing and what type of impact it was having for like the greater good. So I had decided that it was time for a career change. And I was searching through career builder at the time and found out that a technology company, a software company that was literally like less than two miles away from my house was hiring a client relations manager. And it just so happened that this technology company was helping nonprofit organizations. And I was like, you're, you're kidding me. I didn't even know that nonprofit organizations needed a technology partner, even though I was kind of in the tech space. So it was the only job that I applied for. I did, I did secure the position and that was 15 years ago, almost to the day. So I have been with Donor Perfect for 15 years, started as the client relations manager, have been in, I think, four or five different positions um, since joining the team. It was about two years ago that my mentor, Nathan Rellis, who's the co-founder of the company, decided that it was time to retire. And 
then I took over the reins as president. Um, and so I'm about a year and a half into that new role and just honored to serve the company in this new way, in this new capacity. Since that time, I mean, that's a big job. These are huge shoes to fill. But in working with my executive team, I'm really, really proud to say that we have been able to navigate some some challenges like uh, the pandemic. <laughs> Uh, we continue to remain independent and employee owned, which is really important to our culture and how, you know, our identity and employee retention and client retention are at all time highs. And we were just named the number four workplace in the Philadelphia region by the Philadelphia Inquirer. So it's working out. It's working out all right so far, you know, so fingers crossed. But that's that's a little bit, um, I guess, about my my journey. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I love the donor retention piece, like speaks to so much of sort of the culture and the feeling inside donor perfect The both the retention from an employee perspective, but also the nonprofit retention piece. And I love that you've been there for so long, too, and have probably seen all the different like ins and outs. And then also it gives you so much experience sort of in this sector. I'm curious, yeah. you know, we're at a really interesting time in this sector, which maybe could be said about every single time. But, you know, in terms of the rise of, you know, technology throughout the pandemic, the rise of AI in the last few months, but also the rise of burnout and overwhelm and the decrease in giving. There's sort of like all these things coming together in this moment. What are you, what are some of the things that you're paying attention to in the sector right now? Yeah. Certainly, uh, the buzz around AI is top of mind for me. I feel like I've been drinking from a fire hose for the past <laughs> like eight months kind of honing my my uh, AI skills and, and just jumping in to learn everything that I possibly can about it. Um, I think that there's a really healthy balance of excitement and concern related to AI and what it means, not just for the nonprofit industry, but for every industry and even larger, what it means for human society as a whole. But what's really exciting and I'm heartened by the conversations that are taking place at like pretty early on in the evolution of AI about the risks and how to mitigate them. So I think mm -hmm. it was, I guess, in the spring, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, actually testified before, like at a Senate committee hearing, right? I've never watched, I have to be honest with you, I've never watched <laughs> one of those before. This was three hours long and I was on the edge of my seat. And so this is really the first time maybe in human history where an industry, industry leaders are coming to the table saying, we need to be regulated. We mm -hmm. want to be regulated. Let's partner together and figure out how to do this responsibly. So that that that's amazing to me. I think that that's really a positive thing. If I think back about, oh man, I wish we would have had those conversations earlier um, about social media and what it means for the industry and and us as human beings. So we we learned a lesson there, and we're having those conversations earlier. The other thing that I was struck by in you know this three hour testimony. <laughs> was this is bipartisan, right? And so we have Democrats and Republicans both actually agreeing on something that this is something that we need to pay attention to and, and make some deliberate decisions about. So, you know, AI, definitely something that is exciting 
that's happening in the sector. Um, I also think that uh, there's been an increased focus. And I mean, we're certainly seeing it from our prospects and customers, concerns about the security of their data. I mean, we as a provider are only as good as our, you know, our whole business is built around having a, a strong reputation and being We take it really seriously that we're responsible for the safety of our customers' data and their donors' data. And so I think that that's in the technology fundraising space, something that is is on our radar as well. And it should be. So I'm glad glad for both those things. Yeah. Wow. I mean, do you think it's been so interesting, like over the last few months where I also feel like I've been like thrown into this like AI conversation. I'm like, wait, I'm still learning how to like use the automations in my email system. (laughs) Like, hold on. Um, But I do feel like because of that piece that you're talking about around like the relationship between the data that we have and our data privacy and AI, that it's also kind of like bringing up this conversation conversation that many people have been trying to have for a long time around data privacy and the use of your data. But it's sort Mm -hmm. of like sped up that conversation too, where it's like, okay, if you're not at the place yet to really think about or talk about or integrate AI, here's like the piece that we really want to make sure you get a handle on first. Are you feeling that way too? Yeah. I mean, I think that like anything, it has an evolution. And I think of the first Part of um, at least my my experimentation um, with, with AI was related to content generation. Now we're starting to get into the the data piece, and there's just some easy things that you know pieces of advice that I would give somebody who's who's trying it out mm-hmm. for the first time. I, well, let me step back. The first thing that you have to do is you have to start. You have to you you cannot sit on the sidelines and just watch this train. Mm-hmm drive by and it is easy to get started but you have to, you you have to start and to start small i think is just really important so you you can mess around with some um uh, little projects related to content creation if you're gonna be uploading data you can strip it of any type of identifying information you know you're certainly not going to be uploading people's email addresses and phone numbers and financial information into you know this black box that that is AI. So, you know, you you can utilize and practice what's called data minimization and really take any type of any information you do not need out of that to it'll still be able to find patterns. I love what you're talking about in terms of kind of the different pieces involved in this. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm always feeling pretty sensitive to like nonprofit leaders like overwhelm and just like and them also feeling like not particularly tech literate, because I think I really felt that way as a nonprofit leader. I was like, I never felt like I had the time to like fully understand my system. And then I wasn't the type of person who could just like jump in and kind of get it. So I, I think like, you know, as I watch the rise in the conversation around AI, and then also the rise in like, you know, data protection and all this stuff, I can just imagine like if I was leading a nonprofit right now, just the level of kind of like overwhelm I might feel and also some of the narratives I might have in my head around like, I'm not good at this. So I can't even touch AI or, you know, touch my data because I'm going to mess it up or I'm going to do something wrong. And I'm curious, like, I feel like one of the things I love about Perfect is your customer service and the way that I feel like you guys are so 
patient and understanding with nonprofit leaders and just really give them the time and space to like figure things out in your system with the support of your team members. And I'm curious if you know, like, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the ways that, that, you know, you guys think about and support, support nonprofit leaders to like, get more comfortable with their technology and maybe overcome some of their limiting beliefs about what they can and can't do and support them through that. Yeah. You know, I think that you've hit on some really interesting points and thanks for saying all that nice stuff about donor perfect too. I, it's very, it's still music to my ears. When I read customer satisfaction surveys, I um, mean, we get, we get like hundreds and hundreds. It is clear that we've, we've really figured something out and that our customer support and how, how we treat our customers is, is something special. So, so I'm really excited about that. We, we wear that as proudly as, as a, a badge. I think it's, Really having empathy and understanding for all of the challenges that, that they face and us wanting to do whatever we can to take some of the weight off of them by having that really great team. So I think that what we're looking for, we understand that we're more than just a software company. We're more than just a technology partner. It is like we're an extension of our customers' teams um, because they are so bare bones um, and so overwhelmed. We've been pretty strategic about bringing um, people on to our team from not a strong nonprofit background to be able to help br bridge that gap. Um, you know, I, I think it's just about putting putting people first. Um, so we have a lot of different offerings. I don't want this to be an advertisement about, about Donor Perfect, but we've got a really strong services team um, and it's probably one of our biggest strengths. So I want every everyone listening to this podcast to say, uh, to believe that they can do it. There are so, the technology piece, I, can, I understand that it can be overwhelming, but like the skills that a professional fundraiser has is so much more impressive than being able to put together a, the right filter for a report. I mean, and it is in a time where a lot of things are uncertain and the world is kind of weird, those skills about making connections, caring and empathy are all just, it's the essence of, of life and community. I think we're, we all have a tendency to undervalue and underappreciate our gifts. And it, it's just such a mistake. So get those feelings out of there and be comfortable asking your technology partners for help. Mm. No, hey, talk with them honestly about what you need, what is lacking. And I'm sure everyone, anyone at Donor Perfect would be happy to have those conversations and see how we can fill, fill the gaps. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah. <laughs> I do think there's something like I, there is something about even just the acknowledgement and validation of the challenges that folks are having inside their system or the fact that maybe they haven't always been comfortable in there before, but they can learn it. And, you know, that just sort of like commitment and patience that goes such a long way. I think a lot of, you know, I think about when I was being taught to drive a stick shift and oh, yeah. the first person who taught me was my ex-boyfriend who was very impatient. Yes. And 
how freaked out I was. And like, I literally remember being at a, on a hill at a stop yeah. sign and like crying, getting out of the car, switching seats with him. I never want to do it again to today with my husband, who's the most like patient human on the face of the earth. And it's like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. And so I think that it just, it goes so far having that humanness, that human touch, that understanding of where the nonprofit's at to be able to help them do things that are uncomfortable or unfamiliar or don't feel like they align with their like quote unquote natural skill set like I did. Yeah. Um, And hopefully whoever you're getting help from or the lesson from isn't your your ex-boyfriend, right? Because they are the world's worst teachers. I have a very similar experience. My high school boyfriend tried to teach me how to ski. And I remember being at the bottom of a hill. You were talking about going up a hill. I took my skis off. I think I threw a pole. I told him, guess where this pole might end But yeah, so that's a life lesson. Don't try to have your boyfriend teach you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I mean, it is a really important lesson around like, look, like there's a lot happening in the world right now in your organizations and like find your partners, like find your people that are going to like walk next to you and take things at your pace and give you the space to learn things the way you yeah. want to. And, and you know, like not, not just treat everything like it is a shiny object and a quick fix. Like I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing that like in yeah. this like relationship between the technology companies and the nonprofits is like, I understand from a technology company's point of view, you want to position your technology as being solution oriented, which of course it is. But I Mm -hmm. think there's oftentimes a lot of like language or marketing, not from donor perfect, but just like in the ecosystem as a whole that like oversimplifies what it means to actually take something like that on or learn how to use it for the first time. And so I love the way that you're talking about partnership and feeling like you all are an extension of these teams and really in it for the long haul with them. A hundred percent. When we are training, let's just say like our technical support reps, we are so focused on giving them the skills to break things down in different ways. And analogies can be so powerful to try to explain to somebody, you know, a concept that we're not familiar with. I I live and die by analogies. So, I mean, it's just... And when I'm reading some of those customer surveys, you know, a theme that I see is, you know, they didn't make me feel silly for asking this question or, you know, I think that that, that's really important. Everybody wants, I want every customer getting off the phone with a support representative feeling empowered, feeling heard and feeling a little bit more confident that like, you know, we, we gave you a tool to put in your toolbox for next time and encouraging, you know, you to take that back to your team and share what, you know, share what you've learn. So yeah, you could definitely say we're, we're a software company, but at the, at the bottom, I don't know, every business is really just a business about people. I, I honestly, so I, I think we're in the people business more than we're in the software business. And I think that that's what this industry really needs. It resonates with, with our customers. And, you know, we're, that's who we are. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, it's, it's such an important perspective for, for working with nonprofits in particular, right? Because I think like they're constantly being told to be more human and connected and, you know, all those things. And then sometimes when they interact with providers or consultants or anything like that, that then are 
building or navigating relationships in ways that feel in conflict with how they're being taught to build relationships inside their organizations or with donors. It feels like this, like this hard space. And so I think showing up like really guided by the culture of this sector is so important and helpful. And then I'm sure makes people feel that like team sense. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's who we are. There's nothing more. It's authentically us. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's helpful for, for our customers. And we are so happy to be able to, to help. Yeah. Okay. So I know before we clicked record, we were talking about this like somewhat controversial statement, which I'm actually really glad that you, you sort of called out, which was we were talking about the idea of there being like low hanging fruit inside Mm -hmm. nonprofits. And I've actually heard recently a few different kind of pushbacks around this terminology. One low hanging fruit being used to actually describe like people and and donors, like specific people, which I didn't realize was even a thing and has never been how I've used it. But then when people, when somebody sort of like called that out, I was like, oh, I should be more sensitive to that. I don't actually think about like people that way. Um, And then I think you were bringing up, which I think is so important, this idea of like, you know, which goes back to like, let's not pretend that there are these like quick win, shiny object things that are going to solve everything. Like the challenges that nonprofits are facing are layered and complicated. And so what does it even mean to call something sort of a low hanging fruit? But then I loved what you said when we started to talk about it further, which is like, for me, when I think about low hanging fruit, maybe I just need to change my terminology here is like, what are the things that you would love to see nonprofits starting to do that you feel like are accessible to them with more simplicity and ease, but might get overshadowed by the congestion and the, you know, recommendations to do X, Y, and Z and all the other things they should be doing? What would you love to just see them doing a bit more? Yeah, all the things, all the things. It's It can be totally and completely o- overwhelming. And so what rises to the top of my list is really the nonprofits really need to continue to focus on their, their mission and continue to find ways to tell their story about the impact that they are having. And so we're seeing trust be diminished in a lot of different areas. If we talk about the the government or organized religion or the media, or I think that nonprofit organizations have have a um, an opportunity and really a responsibility to just be clearly telling their story about what they are trying to achieve and the results that they are achieving that's paramount importance if you do that well i think everything else will fall will fall into place that might be overly simplistic but that that's honestly what i feel yeah. No, I love that. And I think I, I completely agree with you. What do you think gets in the way of that? Like, is it just the shiny object, all these other things we think we should be doing? Or what do you think maybe we're over prioritizing or getting in our heads a little bit about that? Maybe if we can clear the noise, we could get down to those things a little bit quicker. You could get in trouble, um, we'll say, with trying to generalize or stereotype. But like the people that I have met, Mm. thousands of customers, hundreds of fundraisers, they really care about their work. So they, they, it's this internal pressure, I feel like, to be on all the time, to do everything. Um, I was talking to 
our communications manager, Julia, who I know you, you've, you've, you have uh, a good relationship with her. She was saying like, she'd be at the grocery store and see a donor and be like, I've got a, I'm, I have to make a pitch right now. So like knowing Julia, oh gosh, I don't know if she's going to like me talking about her, but like the, the people that I know, if I think about like the, the persona of, of folks that are drawn to this work, it's so meaningful to them that they just want to do it all and are not easily defeated. So I, I, I think this might be unpopular to say to this audience, but like try to do less better. We, trying to do keep all of these balls up in the air. Sometimes some balls just need to drop. Yeah, this is actually the perfect message for this audience. Can I just tell you that? This okay. is like exactly what they, I think, want and need to hear and something that I talk about a lot too, which is like, you're right, they're feeling the pressure to do it all. They're feeling the pressure to do it all perfectly. And then it's like it just the amount of over overwhelm that creates and the disconnect that creates from like what really matters when we're sort of spiraling and the like, how do I check all the boxes? How do I do all the things? Like nothing ever feels like enough. It's like that is when we miss like that connection to story. That is when we miss like taking the beat to like share a little bit more about something because we're so overwhelmed and we're in that like kind of like hustle stress state that we're yeah. that we so what you're saying actually I think is like one of the most important messages for nonprofits and doing less I think is actually tr is tremendously good and important advice okay well <laughs> we all need to hear that from, from time to time and I think about the foundational elements of being a great fundraiser are all about right relationships and there's data element. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it for sure, but they'll, they'll understand, you know, the importance, uh, you know, building relationships with donors, but they're not necessary and like taking care and stewarding those people or the people that are, they're benefiting from the programs. But when it comes to like self-care or giving themselves a break. There, that, there's none of that. There's none of that. So be be as nice to yourself as you are to a major donor, or be as nice to yourself as you are to the people that you serve. And 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 that you'll, I think, instantly like a weight would be lifted, and 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 people would smile a little bit more, and maybe feel a little less burnout. Yeah, like the humanness has to start inside too you know, and I actually think we're recording this. This isn't going to come out until later in this year, but we're recording this on World Mental Health Day. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it's such an important message. It's like starting with that, like kindness and self-talk and the, you know, giving yourself the grace you are giving likely to so many people around you is such an important message. And then the more human that all of your relationships become with everything from your donors to your tech providers, the better mm -hmm. you're going to be able to do all of these things and the better you're going to feel doing them. So yeah. I love that message. I didn't realize it was World Mental Health Day. <laughs> every day is some day, right? Or every month is some month. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think about like, to me, that's one of the silver linings, I guess, of, of all of the craziness that we endured with the pandemic. Like there's been a, I think it, it made terms like, I don't know, self care or work life balance, things that we were like allowed to talk about and talk about at work even, you know? So I, I want that to be extended 
to the nonprofit industry as well. And I don't know if that's the reality that nonprofit professionals are are experiencing. But I mean, that's what I want for the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, we could have a whole other podcast episode on that. (laughs) No, I agree. And I think it's, I'm glad that the language is starting to become more common. I think that's probably the first step in our evolution to the practices becoming more common. And now I think it's about learning, like, what does it really mean to take care of ourselves um, in true ways? And I think it's, we're going to go through some evolutions of figuring out what does and doesn't work. And, and, but I'm, glad like you that there's a tension on these topics like there hasn't been previously. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation. I love where we went with it and and the connection to all the different sort of human elements of fundraising and being a fundraiser and being in the space of fundraising in whatever capacity you're in. So thank you for joining me and for this conversation. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Mallory. It's been a pleasure. You're a lot of fun. Um, and you've done such great things for the industry and for women in the industry. I, you know, it's just us girls talking here. So I, I would have, I mean, I've seen you speak. You're definitely inspiring and have so much good information for this audience that is, let's face it, primarily women. So I really appreciate the invitation to come on and talk. And it's been uh, a pleasure. So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this special episode of the people behind the products for additional takeaways and tips inside this episode, head on over to malloryerickson.com backslash podcast to grab the full show notes and resources. Now you'll also find more information there about our amazing guest. Thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would give it a rating and review and share it with a friend. I'm so grateful for all of my listeners and the good hard work you're doing to make our world a better place. And if you miss me between episodes, stop by and say hello on Instagram under what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day and I'll see you next week. Hey you, I hope you're loving all the free value you're getting right now from our guest. And speaking of free value, I've raised millions in the nonprofit space without sacrificing my integrity or my alignment. And I'm sharing how I did it in my free webinar, how to harness the power of prioritization to raise more without burning out. Go to malloryerickson.com backslash workshop to register for the free training right now. I cannot wait to see you there.